Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Nothing But Locks podcast. I'm your host, Ali Melnicki, accompanied by my favorite co-worker, Robert Kowalski. Robert, how are you doing today? I'm doing just fine, Ali. Thanks so much for having me on again. Of course, beautiful day in sunny California. And let's get right to it. So you and I were both in agreement kind of last week that we thought game one would go to the Warriors. You know, the Celtics going coming back, coming off of their seven game series against the Heat, the Warriors having over a week of rest. And it looked that way for about three quarters until the Celtics just went on an improbable 17 run to really put the game away. And it was just an incredible performance by Al Horford. So let me get your thoughts on game one first. I guess, yeah, you really can point to that one quarter, which was just bonkers ridiculous. That was, you know, it was quite the explosion. And I guess we'll get to the Warriors explosion in game number two for that one quarter. But it was, um, it was everything that was uh, perfect for the Celtics to, to pull off a run like that. To me, in that one quarter, which is, I guess, the the one thing that I, I continue to look at over and over again and, and from just breaking it down, it seems as if not only did they have, well, look, yes, there, there was definitely some luck involved, but their, their motion uh, gave them wide open threes. And there's a difference. You can't tell me that a contested three and then a wide open three is going to have the same percentage of, of shots. So I think just because of how well they moved the ball around, and it basically had, had the Warriors spinning to, to find out where that, that, you know, who was going to hold that ball last. That's what led to this massive, massive run and it ended up having them, you know, take the lead. I think they honestly, what they, they were pretty much losing the whole game until there was yeah. about eight minutes left, right, Allie? Yeah, something like that. And, you know, I was watching it last week and to see Steph Curry go off like he did in the first quarter, 21 first quarter points. I mean, my initial thought was if, Curry's on his game. You know, this isn't a contest. The game's over. Like he just electrifies not only the crowd, but his team around him, but pretty much the rest of his team really didn't perform that well. I mean, Andrew Wiggins, I'm looking at the box score now. He had a decent game, but we're still waiting for Clay Thompson to show up the series. Draymond was awful at shooting. I mean, he's never known for shooting anyway, but he got in some bad foul trouble. So, you know, when I was watching that game and I, then the fourth quarter came and it was just like the Celtics couldn't miss. And it, like you said, it was just wide open threes, just wide open threes. And especially with the dagger, when Marcus Smart had that one three at the end of the game, that pretty much solidified the Warriors weren't going to come back. Uh, I just, I don't know. It was just like a breakdown in defense. And I think the Warriors maybe were just caught off guard and were just expecting to cruise in the fourth quarter. So I don't know. But I did say that after they lost that game, you know, I'm a full proponent of the zigzag theory, which we'll talk about later. But the Warriors, the last game was my lock to cover. And they did just that in game two, winning by a significant amount. So let's move on to game two. You know, Robert, what did you see was different in game two compared to game one? Yeah, without a doubt. To me, the the one thing that jumped out was the number of turnovers. They had 18 turnovers in game two. Led, You know, that led to a lot less ball movement than in game one. So, by the way, just for the record, when when the Celtics turn the ball over 15 or more times in the playoffs, they're 0-5. 
Mm. Uh, and 13 and two with less than 15 turnovers. So ball control, that's kind of what I, I gleaned on at the start of the series. And that's what was going to make an impact. And here we are. So, uh, I mean, Boston's points at the, bas- at the basket right now, overall, both games, it's absolutely abysmal, Allie. Right. No teams in finals history has scored more points from three than from two. And right now, the Celtics have 34 more points scored from three points than from two-point range. Wow. Yeah, and, and that'll make or break you. And I mentioned, you know, if you look at their starters, Tatum had a good shooting game. I know everyone wants to talk about, you know, his historic minus plus minus of minus 36. But to me, it, you know, I know Tatum, too, had the four turnovers. But, you know, he was three uh, six for nine from the three-point line. And – eight for 19 overall, he was really the only one doing the shooting for the Celtics. I mean, out of their five starters, you had Al Horford, Robert Williams, and Marcus Smart all had two points apiece. Like if, if that's your starting lineup where, you know, you get six points from those three guys combined, there's no way you're staying in, in competition in, the, in that game. So I really wasn't surprised when Golden State just totally dismantled them in the third quarter and I had a feeling that was going to happen. I know halftime, I think it was only like a two-point deficit or it, it was close. I think it was like 52 to 50, if I'm not mistaken. But I had a feeling Golden State was going to come out swinging. And they did just that. So now moving forward, though, I don't want to spend too much time because we do have a lot to talk about and you and I could get caught up. But especially I've been watching a lot on the Talking Head shows this past week. Everyone's talking about Draymond Green. And whether or not he should have got more than one technical, whether or not he might have been suspended if the refs gave him leniency, what do you think right now is his impact on the two games thus far? And what do you see his impact going further? It's incredible. I've I've never seen anything like it. And I've watched a whole lot of 90s basketball. I mean, (laughs) Draymond Green, he picks up the early tech, right? And then, you know, it's wrestling match time. It's as if, you know, he, he needs to get that one out of the way. And he, you know, he... To me, I think he knows that, you know, he's always going to pick up that first tech and then no matter what, he's not going to get tech the second time. Absolutely just full on brazen basketball from Draymond Green uh, in game number two. I mean, he was pulling like a left tackle, to be honest. And it was I I couldn't believe the things he was getting away with. Moving picks galore. It it looked like something, honestly, Ali, out of my playbook. (laughs) <laughs> and it was it was effective it was rough and tumble and um there was nothing that boston can do because you know you're expecting to get a you know some kind of offensive foul when when that occurs it wasn't the case and i think that really shook the celtics yeah you know what i love that style of basketball it's funny because back when i was home in jersey me and my dad were watching the 30 for 30 about you know the bad boys detroit pistons And we kept saying to ourselves, like, you know, we miss that type of basketball, that bump and grind, get up in your face. Like, you know, we're going to hurt you. Don't mess with us. The Bill Bill Lambeer, Dennis Rodman days. And you don't really get that. And I know the NBA has gone over a makeover in recent years. Players don't like to get injured. They're not as physical. I know I was watching first take this morning and J.J. Redick was getting into it with Stephen A. Smith saying, you know, don't hate on us because the game's not as physical. It's just a different era. And it is a different era, but Draymond brings that nostalgic 80s, 90s, you know, intense intensity back into this game. 
And I love it. Now, the only thing, and I'm interested in your take, now that the series has shifted to Boston, is Draymond going to get away with less? Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to probably say that uh, he, he should definitely be very concerned about his, uh, his performance in, in game number three. Uh, I honestly think that if there's going to be any kind of a switch and again, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss zigzag and, and exactly what that means. All you need to know, Scott Foster is going to be the official tonight. Oh yeah. And, uh, Ali, the Celtics are 12 and 0 in games that he's been a part of. So he's, I, I look the, 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 the stats don't lie. It's exactly what I see, but ultimately I, I think that, uh, you know, the Celtics definitely took notice. I, I honestly look, if you think that they were, you know, actually putting in a max effort at the end of game two, then you're just not watching basketball. Right. They, they mailed it in. They said, all right, cool. No problem. We took the one game that we needed to in the series and now we still home court advantage. Uh, and now the switch is going to happen. So it, it's ultimately going to come down to, uh, you know, will the Celtics be able to take advantage of, you know, that really, really physical style that, that Draymond Green showed in game number two. I think they will. Yeah. And, you know, I went to college up in Boston, so I'm very familiar with the guard and I was at Celtics games. I was at Bruins games. I interned for their local TV station when we were covering them and that guarding gets loud, but not only loud, it gets hostile. I mean, it's a bunch of angry Southies that, you know, they're, they're pre-gaming probably right now as we speak right now. And they're going to go into that game angry. And you can tell that the boos are just going to rain down on Draymond. And I don't know if that's so much going to motivate him or it's just going to poke the bear. But I agree with you. I think Draymond does need to watch out. I think especially if you're going to put someone like Marcus Smart on him, Marcus Smart, we talked about this last podcast, that he's probably going to do something to set Draymond off, whether it's flopping, whether it's getting in his face or something. And, I mean, we saw it back in the 2016 finals when Draymond got suspended. Uh, I believe it was game six. But that might have cost them the finals. And Draymond really can't afford to get suspended another game because you know, originally I said Warriors in six. I do think this series goes seven games now. And if you're without, you know, arguably the best defensive player on the court for even one game in the series, I mean, that's just, that's maybe a loss right there and then. So what do you think, you know, this, the Warriors have to do to, you know, convince Draymond, hey, we love it. We love your intensity, but you got to tone it down a little bit. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> nothing, nothing. No, no, no. Ali, he is. Just let him play, right? He is just going to play. And I, I think, by the way, it's absolutely just the chef's kiss that we're, we're, we're talking about a guy that's, you know, honestly, either their fourth or fifth option on offense. Mm -hmm. But he's, he's made that much of an impact. It's, it's, you, I can't think of this current era of Warriors. Uh, basketball without Draymond Green. And so here we are with him. He's going to do what he's going to do. Um, and it's, it's part of, it's part of the fabric of the way they play on offense and defense now, Allie. So there ain't no stopping that train. Yeah. I hundred percent agree with you. Cause like I said, I love the old, you know, eighties, nineties style of play. And, you know, if I'm the Warriors, it's, Hey, you know what? 
be cautious, but do what you got to do. You know, don't let stupid fouls get in your way or get to you, but keep on playing hard and keep on, you know, getting in there, rattling the Celtics. But I mean, with that being said, I do think that the Celtics win and cover tonight. If anything, this is like one of my big locks. I love the fact that they are playing in Boston. I love the zigzag theory of it. I really think that they, you know, make up for the mistakes game two. And I actually don't even think the game's close. I know the spread's three and a half, but I think this is easily a double digit win for the Celtics. I mean, if you look at some other betting trends, the Warriors are one in five in their last games, uh, last six games against the spread on the road. One, five and one in their last seven games against the Celtics. So when you have the Warriors struggling on the road and struggling against the Celtics, I mean, am I wrong to say I think the, the Celtics minus 3.5 is a lock tonight? Uh, tough to go against that, Allie. Uh, look, the, the Warriors, they forced a lot of turnovers by letting the Celtics, you know, drive against mismatches, you know, and then sending help late into the paint. So then once the Celtics were committed to shooting, you know, they, they got away from more of that drive and kick that they've had when they're playing really well. I, I think here, you know, with, with the time off, the rest, back home, I think Boston should be far more prepared against that adjustment. And, I mean, look, again, the, the, the stats, right? 6-0 and straight up and against the spread off a loss in the playoffs. Yeah. Should be a lot more physical after how a green played in game number two. Smart Horford. Both had two-point games in game two. Jalen Brown was five of 17. All of them are in for bounce-back spots. You know, yeah, I, I'm totally with you on that. And let's not forget, you know, the Celtics haven't played in Boston in, what, just about two weeks. Don't forget, game seven in the Eastern Conference Finals was in Miami. They had to fly all the way to the Bay Area to play Golden State a few days later. So I, I agree with you. I think that they're so relieved to be back in front of their home crowd. And I mean, if there's a game that the Warriors are just going to be totally outmatched in, it's game three and it's this one right now. But I do want to talk about, because it's funny, when we were talking last week about MVP odds and everything, you and I both had laughed about Al Horford being a contender. And then he goes out and has a ridiculous game <laughs> one. And what, what, what did the odds drop to like 125 to one to yeah. like 12 to one or something like yeah. that? The moment we, we, we saluted, I said, okay, wait a second. What odds am I offering right now? And I was like, man, that's, that's kind of high. It was like 110 to one for Al Horford. So after game one, I'm like, yeah, uh, <laughs> we're going to have to cut that. So it got cut down to like 14 to one, which right. I know is insane, but you know, it's one game. What if they sweep? Now, now you got a major factor uh, right. as to why that sweep, uh, sweep happened is because of Al Horford. So now after game two, you know, the Celtics looked pretty, you know, abysmal when, when, when their offense was all said and done. So uh, with, with the series tied up, you know, and, and the series at a pick and price, uh, Al Horford now, eh, let's just go back to like 65 to one. So Quite the bounce. <laughs> yeah, I just thought that was hilarious. Like I watched him explode in that fourth quarter and I was like, wow, <laughs> yeah. here's, your, here's your MVP leader maybe. But like you said, he did come back to earth in a game two. But I would say right now, who are your leaders? Obviously, it's probably just by default Tatum still for the Celtics, even though he had a bad game one. 
and Curry for the Warriors because he's had two really good games. Am I right? You're absolutely right. Yeah. If, if look, if the Warriors win, Curry's getting the the MVP. That's that's the way it is. Uh, and I think now if if the Celtics win the series, I think Tatum's got it with yeah. an outside shot to Jalen Brown. Everyone else is going to be in in you know, very very high high odds, uh, and it would take a, a significant performance over over the next. Uh, you know, three games, four games, five games, you know, for someone else to pull in. So if you're still looking for a price, it's definitely out there, but you know, who will it be? Uh, yeah. And, you know, I, I liked Clay Thompson. He was my pre-finals pick and he just not, he just, I don't know if it's his injury still, or if he just has that confidence, but I mean, what are you seeing with Clay Thompson? That's off. Uh, I, I, yeah, we, we talked about uh, how I said, you know, for the Warriors to to perform, you know, at, at, at peak efficiency, he's got to come and perform. But he's shooting 30 percent in yeah. the finals right now. So he's he's not he's not the same Clay Thompson that he was pre-injury, uh, but it might not be uh, everything in, in, you know, the what, whatever the run's going to be for the, for the Warriors to win this title. They looked really darn good with him performing poorly. Uh, and, and that kind of just shows you, you know, where the depth lies. But I honestly think that if, if Clay's going to come back and, and continue to struggle to find his rhythm, uh, you know, along with some of the other Golden State's other key contributors, you know, Ali, I, I think that, you know, it, it's going to have to be an MVP that's going to have to go to a Celtic. But, you know, again, Warriors win this thing, it's Steph Curry's. Yeah, totally agree. But I still want to talk about game three. Um, we mentioned the spread and both you and I like the Celtics minus three and a half. I believe the total last time I looked at it was around 212. Is it still about there? Yeah, actually, it's rised uh, just uh, just a bit. It's now up to 213, Allie. Okay, so it's interesting that it rose because when I looked at it, I was leaning under from the beginning. I mean, both of these, I think it went over in game one and then under in game two. But when I when I looked at the total, I thought to myself, they're in Boston. Boston's going to look to slow down the pace. They're really going to step up their defense. I really think that Curry won't have the explosive games that he's had in game one or two. So for tonight, I'm leaning under. What about you? I would say under as well. Uh, again, just pointing finger at Clay Thompson pointing finger at rest for the Celtics and, and their defensive propensity, uh, having, you know, Williams at a hundred percent, having smart at a hundred percent, everything to me points at, you know, the game, you know, going under instead of over. Yeah. And then before we do move on, cause I want to talk NHL um, and some other topics before, you know, as we always do run out of time. <laughs> <laughs> we always do, but what are we looking at for series pricing? Cause I, I know it's interesting. The fact that they're now tied one and one, are we looking at the same series pricing as we were before game one? Uh, no, no, it's actually far shorter now. So okay. with the series tied uh, one apiece. You're finding mostly the price at pick them uh, depending on the shop that you're going to. Like for example, here, uh, you know, despite our, uh, location and how close we are to the Bay Area, we actually have uh, a larger liability on the Celtics. So we have them as minus three nickels. Uh, so you're getting a favorable price if you want to bet the Warriors here after two games are played. 
some other places even have the Celtics as high as minus 120, uh, but your mileage may vary. So, uh, you know, pretty much right now, consensus looks like it's pick them though, Allie. Yeah, and I'm interested to hear, are people still betting the series or are we at the point where it's basically, you know, bet the individual games by individual games? It's the latter. Yeah, it is. You know, before the series started, we had, you know, lots of handle coming in on the series price. And every once in a while, you get someone that still wants to bet into the series because well, who knows, maybe they're going to be out of town. They don't have an opportunity to bet where they're from. So they go ahead and, you know, get down, for example, like if you live in California, you know, you want to go ahead and, you know, get down. You're not going to go drive in across the border into Nevada. Uh, so you go ahead and play the series and now you got a live ticket all the way through to the very end. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't understand really, but I, I mean, I personally wouldn't bet the series right now. I'm one that takes it game by game, especially when you get this late in the season. But for our listeners out there, you know, if you want one or the, one or the other with even odds, you know, now's your time to jump on it because one team's going to be up two to one tonight. We think it's the Celtics. So if you like the Celtics to win the series and you want to get them at even odds, or like Robert said, minus 120 in some places, jump on that now, but it should be an interesting game three tonight. I'm really looking forward to seeing, especially with the Draymond green factor, how Boston's fans approach that. I mean, have you been in the TD garden before Robert? I have. Yes. It is awesome in there. Oh, it's amazing. And I've been lucky enough too when I had to cover both Bruins games and Celtics games to see like when they change the ice to the, to the floorboard and everything. I mean, that's just a cool experience not with any fans in there, but, you know, I'm not exaggerating when I say out of all the basketball stadiums I've been in, and I've been in a good amount that, I mean, it's just lightning in there and it's loud and it's hostile. So the Warriors really, I mean, they've played there before, but I don't think they've played there ever. um, At least this current uh, team in a playoff game in Boston. So they are in for a treat to say the least. And uh, we'll see how Draymond uh, reacts to that. So we are going to move on, though, to the NHL finals. Colorado dismantled Edmonton. I mean, it was a few really close games, especially game four. They went into overtime and the Avalanche ended up winning six to five. But it has been a very interesting series against the Rangers and the Lightning. You know, Rangers went up 2-0. Lightning stormed back for the next two at home, tied up the series 2-2. So what are you seeing right now in the series, Robert? Who has the edge moving forward between the Rangers and the Lightning? Yeah, you know, after watching game four, and actually game three and four is what I was looking for was what kind of, uh, what kind of a performance actually we were going to get from Vasilevsky. And, and he definitely came back into form. It looked very much like, uh, you know, a back-to-back Stanley Cup champion in, in doing so. They controlled the play. Uh, coming through in the clutch, especially on power play, getting superstar performances from Kucherov, Stamkos, and of course, you know, Vasilevsky just looked fantastic. Uh, game three, uh, you know, that was a stunner. Yeah, three to yeah. two. Uh, Palat scoring the game winner with 42 seconds left before overtime hit. You know, game four was a far more dominant effort. Yeah. Uh, where, where I kind of, you know, saw a little bit more of what I expected out of the Lightning with really, really good defense, some really good grind on the four check. And uh, you know, that's how they held New York to only one goal. So, you know, again, it, it comes back to, you know, how do I see this series playing out? And that series price sure was bouncing up and down. But now 
I'm pretty confident and happy with, with making the Tampa Bay Lightning a minus 170 to uh, advance to the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, and, you know, it's certainly after hearing Coach Cooper saying, you know, Vasilevsky was definitely impacted by that nine-day layoff between, and you said rest, rust, we talked about that. Yep. You know, between sweeping the Panthers and game one against New York, that showed. I mean, he gave up six goals. I don't think he's given yep. up six goals in a month at one point. No. So, you know, the duel that we've got between Shostarkin and Vasilevsky, that's exactly what I was expecting to see. Uh, you know, but right now, the way I'm looking at it, I, I just think that, you know, Tampa definitely has their mojo back. Uh, you know, with, with some games under Vasilevsky's belt, he definitely looks great. So you know, those second and third chance opportunities, Ali, you know, that New York had in the first two home games, that's, that's completely been erased. So uh, interesting to see what's going to happen Thursday night back in New York. Yeah. And I played hockey uh, growing up. So I know out of all the sports I played, cause I played quite a few hockey is the one sport where as much as people might think, the rest and everything is good for you. It actually is the con it's converse for me. If I had a long layoff between games, I was rusty as could be the next game, you know, having to shake it out and go back on the ice, you know, sometimes fresh legs are better with only one or two days rest than, you know, a full week or so. So while I was, I thought the lightning would have a better performance in game one, you know, I didn't think that they were going to let six goals go by, like you said. Exactly. I, at the same time, wasn't totally shocked that they lost that game and even game two. But I think out of any sport that we watch between baseball, between basketball, hockey in the NHL, especially in the playoffs, is one sport where you can go two, down 2-0 in a series and then the next two games are on your home ice. And you're right back in the series. I mean, you know, being down 2-0 in the NHL isn't the same thing as being down 2-0 in the NBA. So I wasn't surprised that the Lightning did win both game three and four at home. I actually had the Lightning on both of my uh, money lines for games three and four. I was pretty confident in that. But what are we looking at at game five uh, right now with the odds, Robert? If uh, you, you take a look and see what the early prices would be, you would expect that New York would actually be uh, well, a favorite, but they're not. Yeah. Again, lean, leaning towards the way the series is played out and, and watching you know, how well you know, Vasilevsky bounced back into his form, uh, Tampa Bay right now is a minus 130 favorite on the road, uh, bucking the trend where uh, the home team right. is not the favorite. Total set to five and a half under 40. Uh, first period wagering is also available. And that's, you know, Tampa has a short favorite as well. Uh, anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120 with a uh, total number of goals set at one and a half under 140. Series price, as I mentioned, uh, it's minus 170 for Tampa laying. So that's 170 to win 100, get paid 270. Uh, and on the flip side, if you're interested in uh, New York, you could still get them at a good price. Uh, wagering one unit to win 150 and get paid 250. Well, yeah. And I actually do like the lightning for game five. You know, I think that the Rangers, they had their, their spurt games one and two, they really fed off their home crowd. They had the momentum, you know, beating Carolina in game seven, but I think now that the series has shifted to the better team being an advantage and that's the lightning, you know, you and I both have been saying it for weeks that we like the lightning to go all the way to the Stanley cup. And I think they'd still do. And it will be a very 
a very fun matchup between Colorado and Tampa Bay. You know, I don't want to jinx it, but it does look like the Lightning are starting to gain the advantage. And I think actually they could win game five and six. I really don't think it's going to go seven games. What are you thinking, Robert? Well, this is great. So let's let's play a fun game, Allie. Yeah. Let's, let's play uh, guess the series price in the Stanley Cup final then. Okay. We obviously know that the Avalanche are in. Well, by the way, with Edmonton losing, a Canadian team hasn't won the Stanley Cup for the 29th consecutive season. Crazy. It goes back to the Canadians in 93. Crazy. Seven of the 32 teams are based out of Canada. So that's like 22% of the league. That's a hell of a streak. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, game time. Colorado and Tampa. Colorado and Tampa. Guess the series price. Uh, I would have to say, I think Colorado is definitely going to be favored. I mean, they were the one overall seed for the Western Conference. So I would say Colorado minus 170. Very good. Very good. Very close. I actually made him as a $2 favorite over Tampa. So, okay. Uh, you're very, very good there on, on your number. And now knowing that and knowing the series price that we just made uh, for the rest of this uh, Eastern Conference final, uh, obviously uh, New York will be a dog to Colorado, but how much more, Allie? Oh, I think that has to be at least minus 275. Yeah, you're great. You're great. I $3. $3. Yeah. Yeah, so they're uh, they're they're in for a, a world of hurt. You know they're going to have to find out a way to stop Colorado's offense. And you know right now no one's done that during the regular season or during the playoffs. Uh, but we could talk about that once we reach uh, game number one. Yeah, and I can't wait for the Stanley Cup Finals. I mean we we've been treated to some really good hockey this entire NHL playoffs, but the intensity even gets higher once you get to the final matchup. And whether it is Colorado and Tampa Bay, which we both think it is, or Colorado and the Rangers, I mean, if the Rangers somehow make it, that New York crowd, when the Rangers host the Stanley Cup Finals, is just going to be, they're going to blow the roof off the place. I mean, they haven't, they haven't seen Rangers success like this since the Mark Messier days. So, I mean, as much as I don't like the Rangers, I'd like to see what that looks like. But I'm with you. I, I think that this is the lightning series to lose at this point. And I'm curious now that we were talking about series pricing, but how, what, what did the series pricing look when the lightning were down? Oh, two after game two, yeah, you could have picked them up at, at a price of almost two to one. Wow. Uh, you know, so, so there you go. If you're, if hey, actually a good point, you know, about 15 minutes ago, we talked about, you know, why bet into a series price? Well, uh, if your team that you really feel is the best of it is stuck to nothing uh, in a best of seven, heck, you could get a, you know, a really, really great you know, closing line value right there, picking up two to one, uh, because now they're, uh, like I said, minus 170. So uh, talk about value. Yeah, and it's interesting. I know I said earlier, you know, when we were talking about the Warriors and the Celtics about, yeah, you know, it's not really time to bet the series pricing with even odds. But if the Celtics did go down 2-0, I mean, I would probably look to jump on that price because I let's say, Robert, right now that the Celtics are down 0-2 in the series. What does that series pricing look like instead of even odds? Yeah, exactly. There would have been 2-1. to one. Yeah, and, and, and that's a really good price to get the Celtics. 
going back into the garden for three games. I mean, you know, let's remind listeners, as you pointed out, that the format's totally different when we get to the NBA finals in being two, three, two, instead of two, two, one, one, one. So it's, it, it would have been a really nice, uh, nice grab if you were a Celtics. But now that we have talked about both the NBA finals and the NHL finals, I know I actually had a few people ask me about the zigzag theory since we've been talking about it. So I figured we'd devote a little time to talking about it. So Robert, I'll give you the floor. Can you explain the zigzag theory in betting terms? What is it and when's the, when it is good to be used and whatnot? Yeah, so this is great because we're, we're, we're nailing it right yeah. during the most important time during the NBA and NHL uh, playoffs. Uh, the term zigzag, uh, it, it basically has to do with teams flying back and forth across the country to play each other. You know, whether it's, uh, you know, Tampa flying to New York or New York flying to Tampa or in the NBA where uh, the Warriors are leaving the Bay Area to go to Boston and vice versa. Uh, it, without a doubt, it, you know, it would affect their in-game performance uh, and can result in uh, more money in the better's wallet. So there's a strategy involved in it. Uh, and you're just looking at how uh, zigzag is working in the NBA alley. Uh, you know, it, it started the finals off, of course, you know, one and zero against the spread with the Warriors winning game two. Uh, and now the Celtics are in that role after losing that game. So zigzag in the playoffs is 38 and 30 against the spread or 55.9% overall. Uh, you know, so if you're looking at, you know, how you know, this game plays into game number three, especially we talked a little bit about the total, you know, we've discussed how we feel, you know, obviously the Celtics is the right side for that reason alone in game three, uh, you know, you know, but then you th- take a look at, you know, another supportive is, uh, you know, the Celtics are 13 and one, you know, straight up 12 and two against a spread off of a loss. There's a zigzag. Uh, and, and you know, we've also seen where only seven games this postseason have had the point spread come into play, you know, so I'm not going to go and you know, try and talk anyone out of laying, you know, three and a half, even, you know, if I'm unwilling to do it, you know, instead right. just, you know, consider, you know, looking how, uh, you know, the, the total looks or the side, but ultimately when, you, when you're looking at zigzag, that's exactly the definition in, 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 you know, betting terms as to what exactly it means and you know what position you should take off of that theory, uh, off of a loss or off of a series of losses, and then coming back home. Uh, you know, and now hey, heck, you know, look at the Eastern Conference Finals in the NHL. Yeah. All the home teams are winning, right? So, uh, you know, two in New York went to New York, two in Tampa went to Tampa. So you would think, uh, you know, kind of know what to do here in Game Number Five at Madison Square Garden. But uh, and that's you know, it's basically what you're looking at in, in terms of. Uh, how to do it. And I guess uh, the best part about this is that the underlying strategy is even more so if, you know, it's laying into that theory and you're getting plus in, in, in terms of betting the underdog here, Ali. Yeah. And I actually use the zigzag theory a lot when I'm thinking about betting against the public, because, you know, let's talk, let's go to football real quick. Cause one of my Cardinal rules I've done for years and my dad actually taught to me, I mean, it's not really something you teach, but he always had a theory. You always bet against the winner of the Monday night football game because a, the team's going to play on a short week and b, you know, the public overreacts to watching that team win. Cause it was the only national televised game that Monday night. 
So always go against that team because the spread's going to look to be in the winner's favor and they're going to end up losing. Now, I don't have the stats on that, but I can say from my pick em leagues and from betting the past few years that it works for me more times than it doesn't. So when you talk about the zigzag theory, I agree with that too from betting against the public side of you because you know everyone just saw the Warriors dismantle the Celtics in game two. I mean, you know, blowout. So, you know, a newbie or public better is going to look at the spread right now and say Celtics are favored minus three and a half. Oh, that's easy money for the Warriors. Well, it's, it's, it's not easy money. <laughs> There's nothing about gambling. That's easy money. You know, odds makers are looking for you to bite both ways. So they are looking for people to have that knee jerk reaction to watching, watching the Warriors defeat the Celtics. So on my personal note, you know, I don't give out too much advice because I, like I say, I'm never right or I'm not right all the time. Hey, you take that back. Yeah, <laughs> I'm right a lot, but I'm also wrong a lot. But, you know, I like to go against the public. So what do you think of my theory? No, it's fantastic. As a matter of fact, uh, some of my favorite ones, and I'm telling you one of these days I am going to write a book. <laughs> about all of this is I, I honestly think the very first tip I was ever given uh, a couple of years ago, let's just say, <laughs> uh, was uh, NFL primetime, or I guess let's just go Monday night home dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, to, to bet the home dog Monday right. night, you know, you're, you're looking at a, a very, very good position. Uh, you know, whether or not that's going to, you know, you know, stay the course coming this football season. Well, we're, we're certainly going to go ahead and find out, uh, you know, in, in a short order. I mean, NFL season's less than 90 days away now. Uh, but without a doubt, yeah, you're looking at, you know, taking advantage of, of wear and tear and, and what it means to come back home and, and, and play, you know, in front of the home crowd and, and you know, rested. Uh, and again, you took a look at how, you know, you mentioned how long it's been since Boston's been home and how much they're looking forward to that. Not only that, you know, when we're just looking at uh, zigzag golden state uh, for, for their matter, I think this is going to be like their first road game since May 24th. Uh, and the team's just fourth away tilt since May 4th. So they're really going into a place that they're not ready for. Um, you know, there we go again. It's, it's just, uh, a matter of, of seeing what their performance is, look into the past performances. Uh, you know, they won't always predict the future, but it sure will help. Yeah. And I love that you brought that up about the home underdog. Cause when it comes to NFL, that's one of my favorite things to bet. And especially like you said, in prime time, because the home team, they will show up to play. Maybe they won't win, but they'll play a team hard. It's funny because I'll get into arguments with some of my friends that really don't gamble as much as me. Like they're very, you know, new. They'll they'll gamble on the big games, but not really. And when you see a matchup like, I don't know, let's just throw two teams out there. Like, you know, Jacksonville on a Monday night is hosting just the Kansas City Chiefs. If Jacksonville is only a six point underdog, you know, I'm taking the points with Jacksonville on that Monday night game. People will probably think I'm crazy, but it, it usually always happens that the team will play their hardest in front of their home t- crowd, knowing they're on TV. So that I'm, I'm glad you gave that good advice. I can't wait till now with football season coming up that we can have some really good episodes 
about talking, you know, our different trends and superstitions and beliefs when it comes to the NFL, because I feel like out of every sport, I have more, if you want to call them like superstitions or strategies than any other, when I bet on any other sport, how about you? No, that, that, that it will be great. Now that I'm thinking about it, I, you know, and, and expanding on it, Ali, for sure, start, you know, keep collecting, you know, questions from, from our fans and our yeah. listeners. And let's definitely start, you know, putting aside, I mean, look, like we need more content, right? right. And we're already <laughs> running out of time, but I we know. should absolutely do a, a you know, a, a Q&A with our, with our listeners, you know, if, if they want to go ahead and, you know, tweet in questions or just, you know, ask you of, hey, uh, what do we do here? Or what do we think about this? Or, you know, put this on the poll and you know, love to go ahead and address that with you without a doubt. Yeah, it's really just little things, too, because I tell my friends sometimes, you know, they'll look at, say, you know, totals on a Sunday. They'll just look at the line and say, oh, the, you know, the over under is only 40 points in this uh, Raiders versus Chiefs game. Like, oh, I'm taking that. And it's like, well, wait, well, let's hold on. You're taking the over without just looking at the weather. And they'll be like, well, does that matter? Uh, Yeah. Oh, look, it looks like at Arrowhead Stadium, it's calling for snow a mix of rain and snow that's gonna affect the total for sure so it's little tidbits like that especially in the nfl that you really got to pay attention to and yeah i think that we need to have an episode like that coming up just taking questions and answers and just sharing our knowledge with it because you know i didn't just make this stuff up by myself i had other i had just not much not just my dad but i had friends i've had people that have been betting a lot longer than me give me tidbits and, you know, some I use, some I don't, some I just came up with my own. So it's always good to take advice. And, you know, like anything in, sc- in sports gambling, it's experiment. See, see what works, see what doesn't work. I've had plenty of times where someone's given me advice. I've used it maybe once or twice, doesn't work out for me. And I just throw that away and don't use it anymore. So we definitely do have to have um, a- an episode about that. Good idea, Robert. Yeah, let's do that. All right. Well, we are running out of time, unfortunately. But before we go, Robert and I are both taking uh, the Celtics minus three and a half and leaning under tonight. I like the Lightning in Game Five. Who are you taking, Robert? <laughs> Absolutely, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Oh, we agree on everything. That makes it no fun. <laughs> <laughs> that means we're both going to be totally look, okay. wrong. Thing. <laughs> Look, I have I have to finally do this, right? I, I really do yeah. enjoy the, the back and forth, but I, I have to finally make a stand here, okay? I really despise that team that plays at Madison Square Garden. Oh, thank you. Let's go ahead and just put that right there. I'm going to go ahead and stamp that. That is my brand. It's been my brand my whole life, and it's just the way things are. I'm an yep. Alder fan, and I've been I'm an Alder here. fan for a really, really long time. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, as a Devils fan, I agree with you, but I mean, Madison Square Garden does get loud, like I was saying earlier, and if the Rangers somehow do make the Stanley Cup Finals, I would like to see that crowd because, you know, if there's anything more than angry Bostonians that can be entertaining, it's New Yorkers and fans of the New York Rangers. <laughs> so that would be, I don't think the Colorado avalanche will know what hit them when they go into Madison square garden, but I'm uh, yeah. I don't want to see the Rangers there. Cause I don't want to hear about it. I mean, I'm going to go back to Jersey at the end of the summer and I do have friends that are Rangers fans there. And I, I just, I, I'm not going to want to hear it because Rangers fans are the fans that are going to brag about 
making the Stanley Cup finals and it's like, well, you didn't win it. Well, we made it. Well, it doesn't matter. You didn't win it. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't want to hear that. But <laughs> unfortunately, we are running out of time. Um, but we do have a few minutes. So, Robert, do you have any last thoughts or anything you want to share with the audience? Yeah, I mean, look, there, there's always going to be, you know, a different event on the menu every single day. And that's the beauty of, of sports betting. And that's actually why I really enjoy what I do as a bookmaker. You know, it's, it's something different every single day. Uh, you know, if you ever were wondering, you know, what it's like to, you know, work in, in sports betting or in, in, inside of a sports book, I could tell you right now, if you enjoy sports and, you know, it, it, there's, it's changed my life. It's completely changed my life. And I, and I can't believe the, the good fortune that I've had in, in learning about this craft for, for such a, such a long time from some of the really, really great minds here uh, in Nevada. So what I can say is if you're, if you're ever interested in learning more about this industry, uh, heck uh, drop a line. Uh, we could go ahead and answer questions about that as well. Uh, you know, but ultimately, like I said, because there's so many different events, every single day in and the day out. Uh, it's going to always be a different kind of an experience for, for me and my team and ultimately for the better. Uh, you know, we've got, there's, there's soccer pretty much every single day. We haven't even touched on soccer with the UEFA Nations League underway, international friendlies, and of course the World Cup later this year. Uh, golf, of course, the Open's coming up in just a couple of weeks. Uh, and, tiger, and, though. <laughs> and the way he, he, we will be sans tiger. That is correct. Right. Uh, you know, but there's always going to be something great, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, inside a stadium, inside an arena or inside a ring. Uh, it's always going to be something new every day, Allie. Yeah, well said. And we are definitely going to have another episode like that coming up, too, because I'm sure that our listeners will like to know the inside game of being an odds maker and everything. And it's something really great to learn about, especially those that do want to, you know, try to get into it, start a career into it, because, you know, I'm sure you can attest, like, you know, I, I love my job. Like I love that we work in a company with sports betting that you and I could just spend an hour a week and talk about this. And the majority of my days centered around just talking about odds, you know, going on our social media channels and doing this. So, I mean, to me, this is, you know, I've always loved sports and I always love betting. So you combine the two and this is my life. <laughs> Perfect. Love it. But we are at a time. Uh, we will be back next week to talk about more NBA finals. I'm sure we will have a ton to talk about after games three and four. Uh, I mean, yeah, games three and four. So I'm really excited about that. We will still talk more Stanley Cup and. We do have the NFL coming up, and that is the sport that is the most betted sport in all of America. So I know many listeners are so much so excited about that, that they can go out and bet the NFL regular season. I know football Sundays are my church. I don't I always tell people there's 17 week. Well, now 18 weeks with uh, in the regular season with the 17 game season, I say there's 18 weeks from September to January where you can't bother me on a Sunday. <laughs> so I'm very excited about that. And we will have so much more to talk about in the episodes coming up. So I want to thank everyone again for joining and we will see you next week. Take care.